Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Listen Money Matters. You know who's top chicken? We're top chicken. <laughs> My name is Thomas Frank, and this, uh, wait, I almost did the intro for College of Geek. I was like, this is Thomas Frank. Frank. We're getting, uh, <laughs> Andrew, as always. <laughs> uh, what are you drinking, dude? I am drinking a long tail. I went to the brewery. You actually stayed and, and babysitted our, our kitty. I did. I was just about to say, I haven't seen your face for like all of two days. I know. And, uh, I'm drinking, uh, from Long Trail, uh, unearthed stout. In 7.9, um, and I actually cheated, and I've had it uh, before in the brewery. It's just a really good stout. Oh, yeah. It's like nice. How's it? How's it cheating? It well, sounds like a usually, good I, usually I have like the beer for the first time on the show, so I'll go to the the, the store. And sometimes I'll do some research. I'll pick up a bunch of cool brews, and I'll like just experience it. Well, it's like it's great because I get to, like have this new beer. It's awesome. We're doing the show. Like it makes me happy. You're way more legit about this than me. <laughs> by the way apologies to anybody like who thinks my voice sounds weird i woke up with like a killer sore throat this morning and i was before i started talking to the cat because that's who i always talk to when i wake up i was like for sure i was gonna have no voice and i was like oh my god i gotta make a video this week i gotta make two podcasts going to colorado and now i'm sick crap but through the magic of throat lozenges uh, and sheer determination i can now talk and i'm just drinking water because I don't care about the, the <laughs> cheating or first beers or whatever. You know me. It's like weird Canadian beer or water or tea. You know, no. I, can't, I can't help but ask, dude, do they teach uh, sheer determination in med school? Um, like yeah. You have like a broken arm. You're in like the hospital. Like, dude, sheer determination. Right. Well, see, it. that is, yeah, that's the most generally accepted and scientifically proven cure for any and all disease is just um, suck it up. Be a man. And do push-ups. <laughs> Drop and give me 50 and take a lap. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that, that fixes illness is more push-ups. Yep. That's, that's science right there. <laughs> it has been confirmed by many peer-reviewed studies. Anyway, I was at the grocery store last night. So I'm drinking water today. Mm. Um, but I had a beer last night I wanted to tell you about because I was like standing there and I was like, okay, being the plebeian I am, I want just like a light, weedy lager mm. right but i want something new and i'm always afraid like when i'm in the mood for that kind of a beer that i'm going to pick something that's like a little too hoppy or a little like too pilsnery or something or like has too much of like a strong ale taste right um but i just kind of went for it and i got something called polaner hefeweizen or hefeweizen i don't know how to pronounce it it's german um i don't have the bottle is here. the label is the writing in script um i don't it might be I can show you the. Do you have untapped on your phone? I don't. Like show you the little icon here. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it before. It's it's an import from Germany, from Munich. Um, and actually, this app is cool because I can pull up beers while I'm looking at them in the store and be like, "Is this a bad beer or a good beer?" And a lot of people are giving this good reviews. So I cracked it last night, and I was like, "Exactly what I wanted, <laughs> like perfect." So I might have a new go-to beer now. Helena Hefeweizen, and I probably am butchering that pronunciation. Ah, but. you know what? I I think I have had that. Uh, oh, really? The, the beer garden by me, uh, they they're like all about Polner, Polner, or however you pronounce Polner, it. Polner, yeah. Uh, they have it on good. tap, and you just get like a nice like liter, ridiculously heavy glass, and yeah. Dude, what are we talking about? We're doing five questions today, and looking over these five questions, I'm seeing some. Uh, let's see here. We've got some questions about. 
housing, like mortgages, savings, that kind of stuff versus debt. And then it looks like we got a few IRA questions. So uh, first question, this one is about down payments on a house versus paying off student loans. And I got some, I got a strong opinion about this one, but I'm going to read it off real quick. So he says, my fiance and I, or maybe she, I can't tell. Oh, Lucas. <laughs> my fiance and I are getting married next month and we are trying to get our finances in order as we plan to buy a house. So we're looking for something in the 300K range in about two years and we'll have minimal savings following the wedding. And we also have about $100,000 in student loans with varying interest rates around 4.5 up to 7.6%. Ooh, 7.6. That's, that's, yeah, that's... Ah. Uh, with proper budgeting, we think we can save about $70,000 over those two years. So would it be better for us to save it, all of it for the 20% down payment and closing costs? Or should we use the first 30K to pay down the high, uh, highest rate student loans and use the other 40K for a 10% down payment and closing costs? knowing we'll have higher interest rate, PMI, et cetera. Mm. Okay. You, you have strong so my, feelings. I actually kind of do too, like, but tell me. knee-jerk reaction is like, if you have $100,000 in student loan debt uh, and no savings right now, a $300,000 $300, house in two years is just overstepping it. Mm. I like, agree. You live in New Jersey, right? Everything's like $5 million over there. Sure, I don't <laughs> know where this guy's from. I'm sitting in Iowa right here. $300,000 mm. is like... That's how much I think the house I'm in You can just right buy all of Iowa, right? You just own Iowa for- Yeah, you just own Iowa. <laughs> Governor's in your pocket. You're basically Al Capone at this point. No, but I'm, I'm pretty sure the market value of my house when it sold was around $300,000. Mm. And this is like a huge, brand new, amazing four bedroom in a completely new development thing. Like, And we're renting it, so it's cheap for us because we have stuffed it with people. Mm. But it's a lot. And if I had $100,000 in student loans- there is no way I would even conceive of buying a house like this. I you would know, be like, I'm going to rent or I'm going to get a, a place half that price. That just seems like overreaching it. You know? so, so I agree with you and I want to attack it from another angle. So Allison, um, she's been on the show. She's, she's a, a big friend of the show and she does a lot of real estate investing. She wrote this amazing article on the site um, and it basically, it's like, um, is your house like an investment or a good investment. Mm. And um, spoiler alert, no. And she spells it out. Uh, basically, it's, it's a terrible investment to live in your house. And so yeah. if you were, say, buying a home and you're renting it out and, you know, then we can go back and forth on, well, you can make more of the interest rate. We know what about vacancy, stuff like that. But when you have a loan with interest rates as high as 7.6%, I'm not quite sure it would make sense, like maybe a student loans and they're all like 4.5 or something, but. I would get rid of those student loans. You know. It's $100,000, you know, and like you said, 7.6% is insane. Mm. Like the federal average is what, 6.8? So, I mean, that's, uh, that's private loans at high interest rates. There's well, I'll tell you what. not protections on that. I'm not so tied up on the 100K, Although I will say that um, there's a loan to, um, I, I guess it's like equity or, or value ratio that the bank does. So if you have $200,000 and 100000 in debt, you technically only worth 100000 So mm -hmm. it reduces the amount the bank will loan to you. And I bet that 100K in student loans will significantly reduce what will actually be allowed to be loaned to him. Oh, yeah. And I mean, do you think they're even worth $200,000? I mean, no, I'm, I mean... It's just... You know, they don't say how old they are, but they're getting married. They're looking to buy their first house. I would imagine they're pretty fresh out of whatever education. I, this is know, what I would like say. Within a few years. 
I'd be like, dude, Lucas, you have a good plan. Um, we're talking two years down the line, and you got a lot of work to do. And I think the first thing that you should do is you should look to uh, consolidate and refinance your student loans. Mm. Um, reduce the interest rate. It'll reduce your monthly payment. Uh, oftentimes, oh, yeah. companies like SoFi, uh, like if you use our link, they'll give you like $200 towards your loan. Um, and and if your payments are lower because the interest rate's lower, you could actually make ground quicker. Um, yeah, actually, I forgot about that. With SoFi, you can get as low as like 3.5% yeah. with a fixed one, and even lower if you're variable. But their income requirements are pretty strict, right? Uh, yeah, so it depends on, I guess, the amount of the loan as well. Um, and I'll tell you what, like I, my condo I have is an arm and I think if you're going to go aggressive and you can trust that you will stick to your plan, uh, I would, I would definitely go variable and then probably in the first three years or whatever the lockup is until it can, uh, uh like deviate in, in interest rate, you can like, you like gain like two, three years in progress by saving a percentage, you know, a hundred K. So, and that's kind of the next point I wanted to bring up is like, if you go the route where you're paying down your student loans and then only having the 10% down payment, like the extra interest, PMI, everything, that's probably going to contribute significantly to how much your mortgage costs uh, as well. Also, dude, never PMI. Like just come, okay, come on. You're listening to a personal finance podcast. <laughs> Do you think we were going to say, yeah, pay PMI? That, that's money that goes like nowhere. a cool acronym for PMI. Like... <laughs> Punch my <laughs> punch eye, my punch, punch my eye with an eye. <laughs> so bad at this. Maybe like pay more than intended. I don't know. <laughs> pay more stupidly. No, that's an S. Damn it. That's PMS. See, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ignore the initials here, and it's gonna be like like I don't know. You're just you're just gouging yourself for getting something quicker. PMI right? is just stupid. It's just like, hey, yeah. Thomas, like I, I have like a lot of money. Can I just give you like 20K? I mean, I'll give it to you over 10 years, but I'll just give it all to you and I want nothing in return. Yes, you can if you want to. It's like Go the, ahead. The, the banks <laughs> are laughing at you when you do that. Yeah. So I don't know. I would, I would rent. I would pay off the loans mm -hmm. and then start looking at a house a little bit later down the line. And I mean, like it's tough because like you start thinking like, we're gonna get married. I want to get a house. Like, really want that kind of thing. But you know what? Like, get married, live like a pauper for like yeah. two years, and then get a baller place. And all your friends will be jealous because they had no money and they just bought. Like, they overreached on day one. You saw oh, Thomas. True. You saw the place Laura and I got when we and you saw it when it was like nicer, so tiny. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was a <laughs> piece of shit when we bought it. It was on the market for over a year. Hoboken shit goes in like thirty days or less. So, anyways, yeah. oh, I wanted to mention something. So, mm. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to like make this sound like I'm calling Lucas out or anything. But just like the whole wanting to get a house really quickly, like wanting to get a, like a, a lot of, I don't know, stuff in life really soon. Um, there's like this article on Wait But Why. Mm -hmm. you ever I love Wait But Why, dude. At work, I have at least three tabs open. They wrote a crazy <laughs> Elon Musk thing. Yeah. Oh my god. So they have this article, it's like why people in generation Y are unhappy. And it's just kind of like going through this like happiness equals reality minus expectations. And like people in Gen Y got brought up in like baby boomer houses where parents worked really hard for a long time, then they finally got to a prosperous life. So like their parents just like saying, You can basically have whatever you want right away. Mm. 
And it kind of just builds this expectation that you're supposed to have, you know, exactly what you want immediately. And that's not the reality of it. And it can be so tough, like being brought up with that expectation and then kind of hitting a brick wall of like, oh, no, I can't do that realistically. So it's really just kind of a mindset thing, like being willing to work longer, wait longer for what you want. And, you know, I I think people underestimate the value of flexibility Mm -hmm. and you can lock yourself in and you are basically a slave to all the shit that you bought, like your 30 year mortgage. And then you also have kids and whatever. And it's just like it's impossible to not. Like, it sneaks up. Yeah. Or, oh my gosh. Or you could like tone it down, like wait a little bit, right? Be that one guy that you know or girl that you know that just didn't like max it, like just didn't get the yeah. biggest place possible. And then you know what? You're like, ah, actually, my boss is an asshole. I'm just going to quit for a month. Uh, I don't know, like trek around Yellowstone and like take a vision quest. You, you, <laughs> could, you could do that. People Have you do that. A vision quest, Andrew. I want. I want to take one. You want to take one? <laughs> will you come with me? I'll take my vision quest out into the cornfield. I will not learn much. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like it's so easy to get. You know, you get somewhere and you're like, all right, let's max out what I have uh, with house or with car or whatever. You know, mm. I think that was like one of the mistakes I made with buying my car. I think like I did okay research and everything, but I was like, okay, I can afford this much. I'm going to get something in this range instead of just being like, oh, I'm just going to buy, you know, a $10,000 car, whatever. Mm. And it's not making it's, you know, it hasn't made my life difficult. So I won't call it like a mistake that's actually bringing consequences. It just might have been a mindset mistake that if left unchecked could lead to future decisions in the same vein that are even worse. The happiness wears off. Yeah, it does. You know, and I'll say I, I still love my car, mm. but eh. It's like not a huge part of my life now. I've had it for several months and it's just like get into it and I go places. I'm happy the heat works and I still like that it goes kind of fast, but it's not like I'm always like, yeah, I have this car. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Whereas when I bought it, I definitely was. So you have to be careful about the excitement of a purchase before you do it or right when you do it. Like that's not representative of what it will mean to you long term. Mm. But the cost is representative of what it will mean to you long term. So it's like this uh, asynchronous transaction here. And that, that payment will hurt. Yeah. Yeah. And like six months on the like, why am I paying for this? I don't even want it. Hmm. But you got to do it. <laughs> yeah. So second question. Uh, and this, I think this one's kind of similar. So uh, Ben says, I'm currently trying to save for a house with my partner. And while she has a substantial amount for a deposit, I have next to nothing. Uh, so we're really wanting to buy something in the next year and a half. And I might mention too that I have a bit of credit card debt, like $8,000. Now I earn $1,400 every two weeks. And I know it might be a broad question, but what do you By the way, I just, I just want to say, he's, he wrote, I earn about $1,400 <laughs> a fortnight. And, and when I first read this, I was like, this dude makes $1,400 every day. And he's, <laughs> he's emailing me. And then I, I looked up online, I'm like, oh, fortnight's by week. You read more fantasy novels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I know it might be a bit, a bit of a broad question, but what do you suggest I do to be able to get on top of everything? Do you think it's smart to take out a loan to consolidate the credit card debt? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, yes. Why, why are you even up. waiting? 
Like I was going to say, Lending Club, there's a million options. Lending Club's pretty sweet. Uh, the rates mm. are very low. Um, what else is there besides Lending Club? I know like SoFi does personal ones as well, but... SoFi does personal ones. I think if you go to Meet Ernest, uh, they might have some. Um, oh. th- there's a lot of options. Like there's Prosper.com also. I think the rates will be roughly the same. Okay. Um, I'm familiar with Lending Club. Uh, it doesn't even matter because the interest rate That's, you're going to get is going to be like a third of what yeah. you pay with your credit card. Um, yeah. At what point do you think someone should uh, seek out a personal loan for credit card debt? Like, do you think like the moment they can't pay off a balance, they're like, okay, I should get a loan, or is there like a certain like tipping point? You think? You know, um, <clears throat> it is. There, there's a tipping point, and I'm not gonna like give you like some philosophical thing. It's it's a math tipping point. There's a loan origination fee, so oh, okay. it, it it's a certain percentage of the loan, and I want to say it's like maybe like five percent or something like that. So if you have eight thousand dollars in student loans and it costs you four hundred dollars to save three thousand in interest over the time it'll take you to pay it off, like definitely makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you basically just need to do the math. And something like Ready for Zero um, is an awesome free tool. You pl- you just sign up. It links to all your debt. And uh, it'll tell you, based on what you could pay a month, when you'll pay it off. And you could tweak the numbers. Oh, okay. And you can just like see. like, um, And you know if you wind up saving, if you could pay it off quicker um, and you save like 3000 in interest, like it definitely makes sense to pay 2500 for a loan origination fee. Yeah. Yeah, actually, on that note, I was thinking about, um, like, you can get credit cards with mileage bonuses, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you can also pay your taxes with a credit card through some services, but there was, like, a pretty hefty fee. Yeah, yeah. So I was looking at it, and, like, to pay my estimated taxes, uh, I think it was going to be, like, $150 fee or something. But that would get me up to the spend to get, like, $600 in airline miles. Ooh. So it's like, oh, okay, the cost is very worth the what I get in return. And because you have a business, you could write off that 150 on your taxes. Yeah, that too. So that, that works as well. God, uh, we're going to have some episodes that. coming up. Uh, this this woman, Diane, who's like brilliant with like business taxes and stuff, and I'm reading Tax-Free Wealth, and I'm really excited about business taxes. Dude, it's, it's like a life <laughs> cheat code. It's like the nerdy is like lame shit to say. It's just really funny when you say, I'm really excited about business taxes. (laughs) Like my roommate is still kind of a kid at heart. And he's just like, he's like, I'm excited about video games and and Godzilla movies coming out. And he's like, what'd you do yesterday, Tom? Oh yeah, I did my taxes. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) No, but dude, like I I pay between 35 and 40% on all my money. And Uh, when you look at the number, it's it's just wow. Yep. Actually, actually I just want to say, like, I, I want to go on like a super deep tangent. I love this book, Tax Free Wealth. I'm like maybe about a third way through, and I have to kind of write about it in the community. Um, but uh, the tax code has like, and the guy breaks down the pages. Roughly 0.5 percent of the tax code is dedicated to how much you have to pay, and the other 99 plus percent is dedicated to how you reduce your taxes 
based on incentives that the government wants you to do, like buy real estate, invest in oil, create jobs. Like it's basically the tax code is an incentive program for people with money or, or, Mm. you know, entrepreneurs to do the things the government wants you to do. And as a result of doing these things, it reduces your taxes. So if you want to be like a great American or a great Canadian or whatever, do what your government wants you know, follow their incentives and pay less than the taxes. Like they don't—they don't want you to pay more. They want you to do what they want you to do. Reduce your taxes and a bald eagle will. Yeah. So get land real estate. on your doorstep and salute you. Exactly. Buy real estate. <laughs> get rich. Make your make your president happy. Boom. Uh, so obviously, personal loan for this guy. Now, eight thousand dollars in credit card debt. Not a whole lot of savings. Um, says that his partner has a substantial amount for the deposit. Without knowing how much she has, it's hard to say, like, go, no, go on a house. But I guess just, like, probably just take the lessons from the last question and ask yourself, like, how much are we making? Are we going to be able to have a substantial margin for our monthly expenses for paying off this debt Mm. when we are also saddled with a mortgage? I will also say I, I could feel there's, like, a little bit of, like, uh, unevenness in this question. Like, I feel like he's a little mm. concerned that his fiance is like posting up, and he's oh, yeah. got he's got nothing. He's got negative, mm-hmm. and that's rough. Um, and I think uh, you'll just be an indentured servant. So it'll you know it'll work out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you just you really have to. Um, I think if you show that you're making broad sweeping changes and you're really trying and maybe you pay more than your portion towards the mortgage and you, I think that goodwill uh, would make this person so much happier um, because they, they want you to be like financially better. Yeah. Cool. So next question, we are moving into IRA territory. So... I wish you had like a soundboard like, wah, wah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to IRA territory. Uh, So this guy, uh, Philip, he is curious about IRAs versus general taxable investments. And so he's saying, um, let's see here. He's 25 years old and his career is in Chicago, Illinois. So I guess I have no idea how much that costs. I was about to say Midwest. Yeah, but it is probably the most expensive area in the Midwest. Mm. Um, we're going to get to the point where I am saving 15% constantly through 401k, the match, and a Betterment IRA. So I'm guessing that's a combination of those three. Mm. However, you all talk a lot about retiring earlier than the old school 60 years old such, which sounds amazing. So my question is, with the goal of continuing to add more money into my accounts as my salary increases and retiring as early as possible, is it better to invest my money into a Betterment Roth IRA or a Betterment General Investment Account? Um, so I guess like, his question is betterment versus betterment, but I guess we can just extrapolate this to IRA versus general taxable investments all across the board. You know, this isn't betterment specific here. So the cool thing is, is so he actually specifically said betterment Roth IRA. Um, Mm. So it was a betterment traditional IRA. Uh, It's not going to be so much different from the 401k. Your money is like kind of locked up and there's like penalties and stuff, but betterment Roth IRA, you put your money in, and your money only has to sit there for five years, and then you could actually pull it out tax-free because you've already paid taxes on this money. So if you put money into the Roth IRA... And Is you do, that only the principal, though? Um, yeah, only... Yeah, <clears throat> thank you. 
I was gonna um, say this. you can just pull money out of an IRA no matter what kind it is. You can pull the principal back out. Yeah. Okay. Dude, thank you. We were gonna have like a, a <laughs> hailstorm of six hundred comments. Now. Well, <laughs> LMM's gone down to the toilet. <laughs> and you never get this shit right. <laughs> God. Uh so you can pull the principal out. Um and you can do all kinds of cool stuff uh with a Roth IRA. Um and I think Betterman's an awesome place to put it. Uh so because you can pull the principal back out. Um, it's not like it's locked up forever. Um, true, but that's not the same as having all of your gains on a taxable investment available to you when you retire. True. And I'm not sure if you're going to retire on the principle of a, what is it capped at 5k a year investment? Ah, true. Um, but also you'll have to pay long term. 25. Mm. So that means every 10 years he can invest 50K. If he wanted to retire at 50, then he's got 100 and Actually, 125 yeah, he, grand. He's like only that's 25, not so. That's not enough to retire on. Mm. So, okay, my philosophy on this issue has been, or I guess my, my practice so far has been uh, I'm maxing out pretty much my simple IRA, mm. which is the entrepreneurial IRA I have. Uh, it's very similar to a traditional IRA. And then I'm trying to meet a specific goal with taxable investments as well that would allow me to live at a certain standard uh, by the time I'm 40. Mm. Now, I've, I've kind of changed a little bit on this. I mean, I, went, I know I went on the news like a year ago at this point talking about... God, you're so and fancy, yeah. <laughs> I was on TV and super famous you know my name's thomas i was on <laughs> fox news <laughs> i found the world of high fashion to be uh artificial and vacuous so i decided to become a celebrity <laughs> <laughs> so I, I still kind of have that goal in mind i've just taken a different view of how the investments should be split up because at that time it was like all the money should be shoved into Vanguard IRA or not IRA, Vanguard, uh, just total stock market index fund, you know, whatever, Boglehead, let it go. Don't touch it forever. And now I've started to view myself uh, as a more active player in my investing career and as an investment myself, like my, my effort, what I'm building is probably going to be the most valuable investment that I can make. Mm. So <laughs> currently I'm not auto investing as much as that old plan dictated to go into the Vanguard fund because I've diverted some of those funds to paying Martin to come on and help me mm. uh, and paying Anna as well. So I'm almost like building a business. I'm investing in one business, which is my own business, the business I know best. Oh, look at you growing up investing in your business. <laughs> so cute. Uh, but I'm still, I am still auto investing. I'm glad you are. Dude. I, it's been a long time coming. Yeah. And I'm also thinking about like real estate in the future mm. too. It's like that's my brain power being put to work for an investment rather than being like let the market take care of it. So it's more of a balance. I'm, I'm diversifying in, in those areas. Mm. Um, but either way, I'm still maxing out that IRA. So for me, it's like I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want to max out those IRA contributions so I'm good when I'm old just in case. And then I'm going to think about Dude, early retirement. Thomas, how old are you? 24? 24. So basically the same as Philip. I was going to say, yeah. So let's, let's pretend you're 25 and you just. I'm almost 25. You're almost 25. You know, let's, let's say Philip has 10,000 in and he's able to add like 1,000 a month into a taxable account, right? Mm -hmm. 
for 25 years, so he retires when he's 50, 7% average return. That's $813,000 at the end. At, uh, at 50. How many years? At 50? So 25 years. It is $800,000? So, yeah, so starting with th- uh, 10000 I think monthly the calculations additions- I came up with, I needed over 900000 to reach my monthly, like, comfortable living goal mm. i mean look now you're that, gonna pay you're gonna pay in, taxes on your gains probably close to 20 percent um, yeah uh actually you know what i didn't think about that when i was doing the uh the calculations so well what you gotta what you gotta consider is inflation they're not as sharp on fox news so they let that one fly <laughs> <laughs> you gotta consider inflation you know what's funny almost no one caught that mm. like there were comments on the business insider article there were comments elsewhere, and no one was like, oh, capital gains tax on that. They were more concerned with uh, either you're going to have kids or something's going to happen or like, mm. or just the people me for being a, a entitled millennial thinking I'm allowed to retire mm. at 40. I think I pretty clearly defined my definition of retirement. It was oh, you're going to retire when you're 40. My dad worked till he was 80. Yeah, <laughs> and his dad worked in a field with a sickle. It's like, well, so dude, your you dad didn't save money, so, you know. It's his problem. Right. You know, I'm not going to blame older generations for mm. stuff. Like the whole point of having kids is that you hope they do better. So people shouldn't be mad. I, yeah. don't, I don't know why like so many people in the previous generation get mad at, at millennials. Anywho. Misdirected rage. <laughs> <laughs> um, there would be capital gains tax. So, you know, bottom line, $800,000 is not going to provide a whole lot of monthly income on its own. With inflation, with taxes, mm. you might be looking at needing something over a million. So, you know, if you can max out your IRA comp- contributions and then be putting away, and so I think that's the thing. Month, also, is that people don't consider is that <clears throat> you're like, oh, like I'm just going to retire at fifty, and we're living longer, and we hope that you live like the longest, maybe you live to like 120 or something, that means you need, so you work for 50 years, that means your money is to last for 50 years to get to 100, 70 years to get to 120. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I'm going to like go out on a limb, like, dude, 15% is awesome, and it's better than most people, and uh, it, I'm sure you already have like a, a meaningful net worth, but you got to like tone that upwards. Right. And keep in mind that for a investment to be self-sustaining and to sustain you, it must outpace what you take out of it. Mm. And it must outpace what you take out of it and the rate of inflation. Otherwise, you're slowly undercutting your standard of living as you get older. You know, maybe there's like a good like game you could play. Like he's 25, he's saving 15%. Like, dude, that's awesome. Like have your craft beer, go hang out, like do your thing. But when you're 26, save 16%. When you're 27, save 17%. If you keep like just upping, it's like only 1%. By the time you're going to be retiring, you're saving almost half oh, you your could. salary. And uh, That's an interesting thought experiment there. I occasionally come up hmm. with good things. It's the beer, dude. This beer is amazing. Is it? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's making your mind quicker. That's not mm. how beer works. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> so fourth question here. Uh, this is a four o yeah four one k rollover question. So this is going to be all you. I don't. <clears throat> I still don't understand how this works. Uh, let's see here. So we have nice frilly 
Uh, compliments for us. Thank you. <laughs> but this is from Jesse, and the question is, I have a 401k through Fidelity, and it is from my many years as a server at a lodge in my hometown. Uh, I still work there occasionally, but I haven't been full-time for about 10 years because now I'm a first-grade teacher, and therefore I have not contrib- uh, contributed to it for the same amount of time. So by listening to your podcast, I learned about the fees associated with the funds within the plan, and they are not pretty. Uh, I know I need to roll it over, and I'm considering ben- betterment or going to director. Ugh, I can't talk today. Directly to Vanguard. And I was going to say, dude, you're so good because you're like reading and skipping things and like summarizing it as you go. I'm like, I like that. Pretty impressed. Sometimes it works. Yeah. I listen to I listen to old episodes, and Matt could barely get through a sentence without like <laughs> butchering the shit out of it. I just need to go a little slower and like put a little bit more Morgan Freeman draw into the voice. Mm, like, like slow that. it down. I'll be able to think ahead. <laughs> considering rolling it over to betterment. Or going directly to Vanguard. <laughs> the specifics. I currently have about $55,000. Prior to January 1, I had $65,000. So pretty big loss there. Should I wait to try and recoup some of my losses before rolling it over? And where should I roll it over to? I'm 39 and unfortunately do not see myself fully retiring until 60. Uh, although I am looking into generating cash flow to your podcasts, which could be an early retirement. But any help would be greatly appreciated for this problem. So, big loss with the 401k, because as anybody who's been paying attention to the markets knows, we're not in a really great position right now. Um, I think at one point, like my entire Vanguard account was worth less than the principal that <laughs> I put into it. <laughs> so, uh, which this is gonna, this is going to factor into the fifth question. We got a little bit of uh, questions in there about when to invest. Um, so. I just want to go and say that uh, I, I think it was right before the crash uh, in 2008, mm. I was worth maybe about like $50,000. And um, the, I, I invested before the crash and I lost a lot of money. And I was I was like really into the stock market. And after the crash, I just kind of like kept putting in. And mm-hmm. I, 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 no one, like a lot of my friends got laid off. People weren't doing things. I was employed. And I was just like putting in and putting in. And uh, I attribute a lot of my wealth to doing that when times are down. And the thing is, is you never know when the bottom is, right? Yeah. And you also don't lose your money until you sell it. So I think it, the fact that it's less is good. It means it's cheaper than it was before, right? So it's like, whatever, you lost money, but you, you didn't until you sell it. And it's like if the car was twenty thousand yesterday and it's fifteen thousand today, do you wait for the car to go back to twenty thousand to buy it, or do you buy when it's cheaper? And you know maybe you buy when it's fifteen thousand, it goes down to ten thousand tomorrow. I don't know. Then maybe uh, then maybe buy two cars or something. I mean, it's, don't buy two cars. Yeah, don't, I mean, don't buy don't buy any cars. But uh, okay, so big question. Um, Actually, first, can you briefly explain how you roll over? Do you just kind of open a new IRA account and then initiate some sort of rolling over process? Yeah, so that skips um, the taxation with Betterment. Uh, so, so Laura did this recently with hers, um, and there's two ways you could do it. Uh, Laura had the more challenging way because she her 401k was with like AXA. And I guess they didn't have like a, a deal with Betterman or whatever. And so what happens is she initiates a rollover. AXA actually sends her a check of the balance. And she had oh. something like 90 days to mail that check to Betterman. Okay. And then Betterman puts it into the IRA and, and then Betterman handles the rest. Okay. Um, 
there are ones like I've rolled over and I, I had my 401k with Fidelity. And at the time I rolled it into a Fidelity IRA. And so I just like, <clears throat> I clicked some things online. And I was like, yes, yes, I agree. I understand. And then it was like done. So when you do this, it's not a taxable event, right? So here's the thing is um, I believe, and um, let me IRA roll over limits because I believe there are limits. Oh, okay. So there's one rollover per year. Um, All right, I'm going to let you look that up because it was, I actually did. Oh, so is she going to have to do this in stages? Well, so here's the thing is um, when you're reading the question, it gave me flashbacks to uh, the Mad Scientist episode. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the perfect chance to use uh, the IRA rollover horse race thing. Oh, is it like the same thing as like a ladder or something he was talking well, about? Well, so what happens is um, you can roll, and I definitely uh, advise you listen to the episode. The guy explains it much more eloquently than I ever can. Yeah. But basically, you could roll money over and then see how it does. And if it didn't do that good, you could actually roll it back. You could like undo the rollover and pull it back, and there's no tax consequences. Okay, but you can only do it once per year, right? Mm. Is what I'm reading here. I maybe I'm just reading it too quickly, but I'm not seeing like a dollar limit. So yeah, maybe, maybe there's not a dollar limit. I mean, uh, the thing is, like, you don't have to roll all of it over, um, but you also have to think like there, there there are a lot of fees because when you're not working for the company, the funds have high fees, and there's mm-hmm. likely a, a, an administration fee on top that your company was subsidizing. That okay. uh, now that you're not employed, like you just have to pay. So we'll refer Jesse to the the uh, Mad Finders episode for the rollover horse race, kind of like mm. gaming it a little bit. But the foundation here is that it's not going to cost you money to roll over, right? No, yeah, not if you roll into a traditional IRA. Okay, so no taxable event. Probably no. I'm guessing there's no rollover fee. Mm, no, I mean they're happy that- to manage your money. Okay, so in that case, you're literally just taking $55,000 from one account. Doesn't matter that you've lost, you know, doesn't matter that the balance has gone down and you're moving into another account that will charge you less to manage it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has the same opportunity to grow as it did before, but now unhindered by those high fees. Correct. So at a base level, it's kind of like a no-brainer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I mean, there's the fact- no reason to try to recoup the losses. Because it, every it is what it you is. leave it in there, you're, you're losing money to fees. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and the market is what the market is. It doesn't matter if you're in Betterment or wherever your 401k is held. Fidelity, I guess. Right. Okay. So we have another uh, IRA question here. This question is from Alex and... Or no, Alexandra. Sorry, not Alex. So it says, my name is Alexandria. I'm a new listener to the podcast. Recently graduated from college with no debt. Congratulations, Alex. And I'm looking to invest the money I have saved up. So since I started listening to you guys, I've built up the courage to set up a Betterment account. And I have set goals for a Roth IRA, also a Build Wealth account, and a Safety Net account. So nice. Three goals there. Nice. Uh, however, I haven't taken the plunge and actually contra- contributed to any of them because I'm concerned about the market state right now. Do you recommend that I wait until everything settles down? Or do you think I should contribute regardless of the market? And if so, why? Also... If and when I do contribute, do you recommend I max out my contributions for 2015 and 2016 tax years or just for one of those tax years? Because Betterment gives me the option to do both. 
So I'm just wondering, what are the benefits to contributing to both years? So I'll tackle that second question first because the answer is mm. really simple. Um, you can contribute money to an IRA up until I believe it's like sometime in April. Mm. It's like a little like the day the previous before tax year. day or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So basically with a traditional IRA, every dollar you put in there offsets your adjusted gross income, which lowers your taxes in the current year. It's a free tax deduction that if you don't use, yeah. you lose and you can never take advantage of again. Right. So, I mean, you're putting money into your traditional IRA. You're going to pay taxes on it when you're 60, when you retire, pull it out. So that, you know, it's kind of a give and take, but hopefully contributing more now will will lead to higher gains and the tax that you pay when you're retired is, you know, it's kind of moot point at that point. But if you were to max out your contributions for the 2015 year now, then you are lowering your income basically by that amount and you're paying less in taxes. So that's why it's giving the options to do it for both years because up until April, you can do it for the previous tax year. And then for 2016, you'll start making contributions for 2016, which you'll have until April 2017 to do. Hmm. Uh, I just sent a $3,000 check to my IRA last night because my taxes, yeah, I did my taxes and I was like, or my accountant was like, how much do you want to contribute to your IRA? I said, we'll do 10K. And he's like, cool, you've currently contributed seven, so you need to get 3K over to the, your, uh, your advisor before April if you want your taxes to be this much. So that's why you'd want to do it. Um, as for the state of the market. I saw a little swagger to your head when you were like, yeah, I did that shit. <laughs> I'm an adult. <laughs> I feel like my voice is like getting raspier and raspier as we go on. I don't know. You're turning all or the maybe ladies on. More velvety smooth. Mm. <laughs> it was like a sweet spot between like your voice just sounding like a meat grinder and normal voice. Like just as it goes down a little bit, a little bit sick, and it's like, oh now it's better. Why did why did you look at me when you said meat grinder? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I've been looking at you the whole time. Don't read into it, Andrew. Mm. I don't think you sound like a meat grinder. Thank you, Thomas. I think you've got a beautiful voice for radio. Golden Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I think he's like, they, were, they were playing Fly Like an Eagle at the gym yesterday. I think it was pretty funny. My friends always made fun of that song for being like a, like a just like traditional dad rock song. Mm. <laughs> so I was getting my dad rock on at the gym yesterday. Anywho, contributing to the markets. We have done many episodes about dollar cost averaging. Basically, don't worry. Uh, just regularly contribute and statistically you'll be fine. Uh, but with the markets being down, I mean, like Andrew said, you have an opportunity to go against the grain and contribute more. And you know, it may get cheaper. And so you may lose money in the, I mean, quote unquote, lose money in the air. And the question yeah. is, uh, first of all, if you're putting into an IRA, you can't, uh, if it's a traditional IRA, you can't even touch it for how mm -hmm. long. And I don't know, do you think it's going to stay down all the way for however many years until you, you just graduated college? You have probably we got problems that happens. Yeah, you have like 30 mm -hmm. years. Like, uh, I think it's like the amount that it costs now is like literally arbitrary. Yeah, look at the funds. It's going to be, it's going to be uses. higher in the uh, future. She says she's using, yeah, but she's using Betterment. Look at the funds that Betterment invests in. Look at their historical performance and you can see that um, historically they go up. And, you know, we can say past performance, blah, 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 blah. That's the indicator we have. Uh, and we have a lot of years for to, to study. So even if it's going to get cheaper in the short term, you know, maybe you don't get the optimal time to buy in the long run. 
if the market's down right now, you're at an advantage. Dude, if you just think about it, this year, the iPhone 7 is going to come out. That's going to like triple everyone's productivity. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Or it's going to have like weird virtual reality games and we're all just going to become vegetables. <laughs> it's going to be the like... The die. It's surrogates finally going to come true. Like I'll, I'll finally <laughs> never leave my house and I'll be so happy about it. Yes. <laughs> I'm kind of uh, concerned about VR. Mm. Because you know, I don't, I don't like, I'm not, I don't have a crazy grasp on the science behind this, but I feel like your eyes are not meant to be focused on something like two inches from your face for a long mm. period of time. And I know it's like making the illusion that you're focusing on something far away, but you're not actually. Like True. The, your eyes are biologically contracting to focus on a screen two inches from your face. I don't know if that's healthy to do for a long time. So I don't know. I'm a little wary about VR. I think it's cool. Uh, one of my friends is getting the Gear VR, which is coming out like for Android phones pretty soon. Yeah, that's like a full headset, or is that the one you put your phone in? It's the one you put your phone in, yeah. He's going to get the Oculus as well, but that's not ready for orders yet. But the, the Android one that you just like slide your phone into is... Uh, I think he said it's on the way, actually. Like, think about it. Like n- Everyone doesn't have an Oculus yet, so imagine how productive we're all going to be when we're <laughs> fucking watching 3D movies in our homes. How could the stock market go not go up with that? <laughs> I could imagine some ways. <laughs> but the more likely case is that you're going to be fine. Yeah, and the, the thing is you can't get caught up in what's happening today, and it, mm-hmm. it really doesn't... And, 10 years, oh, the thing about like whatever dramatics happened 10, 20, whatever years ago, you probably don't even remember. You definitely don't care. And it has like zero effect on your life. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what it's going to be in the future. So all the dramatics, ah, oh, China is going to explode, whatever. Like just <laughs> let, let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. Insert frozen reference here. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So that is our podcast, guys. If you've got questions of your own, you want us to answer on future five questions episodes or good questions that could morph into entire episodes themselves. By the way, Andrew, hmm. uh, I just had an idea yesterday that we need to do an episode on shorting stocks. Because I don't think we have. And I, I read into it and I now understand how it works. Because for the longest time I was like, how the hell do you make money betting that a company will go down in value? But now I get it. So we could do an episode explaining that real quickly you know, and explaining how dangerous it is. Uh, yeah, because you could lose more Super. money than you, can, you, you have. You could lose infinite money yeah. if you weren't careful. So actually, wait, I think I – okay, so I have Trello up and one of the investing topics that someone asked like roughly a million years ago um, <laughs> <laughs> that we just never covered. They, they want us Falls to go – up riding a dinosaur. It's about, it's about riding dinosaurs. That's what you just gave a speech on that. I did. What I learned is that, so dinosaur skeletons are likely to be similar to bird skeletons, right? Mm. And people do ostrich racing. Really? So, yeah. So, I, w- I was looking specifically at raptors. and like sp- So, if theoretically, any raptor about the size of an ostrich or bigger, you could probably ride until it bucks you off and eats you. Hmm. So, anywho, questions, if you got them, listenmoneymatters at gmail.com or... ListenMoneyMatters.com slash join if you want to join our community of money nerds. And uh, you can ask questions in the forums there, get answers from people in the community. And we also take a lot of episode questions and get topics from that. So check it out if you're curious. Uh, I just want to add that there's going to be some like cool stuff happening really soon. Um, But it's really hard to like kind of convey it 
in the podcast because like pod we like record and then it goes live in a week. Um, if you oh, want to, if you want to maybe be part of it and maybe possibly get some swag and stuff, subscribe to our email list. Yeah, it's like it's like based on every page of our website. But if you go to listenwhymatters.com, it'll be like you deserve more. Blah blah blah. Just put your email in, hit enter. I'm gonna sell your email list like to a ton of people, and or- then. No, we'll never sell your email list. We don't spam <laughs> you. We actually barely email. Um, and then it'll be included in all the cool stuff. So if you're not subscribed to the email list, definitely do that. Yep. Pretty much any page of the website. Or go into your garage with a piece of chalk, draw like a pentagram on the ground, and then clap your hands together and say, wugga, wugga, wugga three times, and you'll be subscribed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or homepage. And uh, we're going to be coming out with a pretty cool bonus for people on the email list pretty mm. soon. So... Uh, right now, we give out a free chapter of our book, Mastering Mint. But hey, I don't even use Mint that much anymore. So we have a much better bonus coming mm. in about what a month from now as we record this. Ho- hopefully, it comes out in April, and I believe that it That's could right. possibly come out sooner. I w- and I wasn't even thinking about that. I was thinking about something else. But you're right; we're gonna have something really cool that all subscribers are just gonna get. So yeah, so that's the best way to keep up to date on all the mad scientist stuff we're cooking up behind the scenes god you're so good at this thomas i know right (laughs) and lastly if you Mm. want to find our favorite books which we'll be adding to soon and apps tools all the kind of stuff that we find helps us with our finances listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox is that page you can go to uh andrew i must commend you on the new design of it by the way i don't know if i said that thanks really sexy uh Anna and I are working on a potential new design for College Info Geek, and we kind of stole some inspiration from the resources page. Because <laughs> I know my, my resources page needs a facelift. It really does. Dude, and like, this the, thing's beautiful. Any redesign involves many hours of Laura and I in a room, heavy drinking, <laughs> and lots of yelling. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's your redesign process <laughs> exactly yeah crack a bottle of wine and just yell at each other it gets just to the point where it would come to blows and then we go then we go just um i don't know the so, process of a true artiste there's gonna be new category pages soon oh god dude they're so hot i have to show you later oh really they're okay be so hot yeah show me when we get off the air cool all right guys that is it thank you so much for listening to this episode and we will see you next week later later dude Tell your friends about this show.